0: you guys ready to get started on these bitches
1: oh yeah (laughs) these bitches
0: hey bubblies and welcome to my streaming bubble it's that little old podcast where i talk about the shows that i love with the people i tolerate i'm your host jen and today i'm feeling radioactive as i'm excited to welcome back my cage crew adam eric and laura Hello, (laughs) Cajians.
1: Hello, Hello. Cajians. I
2: like that. So glad to be reunited here with you guys.
0: This is, I'm very, very excited for today's recording. And so we'll go ahead and get right into it. Today, we are going to be talking about two of Senior Cage's movies, more recent ones The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring, of course, Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, and other people, but those are the two that really only matter. And it's available to stream on Stars. You can rent or buy it through other streaming services or check it out at your local library. The second movie we'll be talking about is Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which of course stars Nicolas Cage, Sofia Boutella, Bill Moseley, just to name a few because I did not have time to look up the pronunciation of everyone else's names and I did not want to butcher them. So that one is available to stream on Shudder or AMC+. Plus. Rent or buy on other streaming services or at your local library. All right, so we'll go ahead, and this is your spoiler warning slash brief synopsis for the two movies. So for what IMDb says for unbearable weight of massive talent, in this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, Nick with a K, N-I-C-K, uh, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a super fan Pedro Pascal, and a CIA agent, Tiffany Haddish. What I says about it is, this is an amazingly fun, feel-good movie that gave us a new bromance, or whatever you want to call that, uh, between Pedro and Nick, because they are adorable. So... For Prisoners of Ghostland, what IMDb says. So there are two synopses on IMDb for this movie. And I picked the funnier, less relevant <laughs> one. Because <laughs> I felt like that fit a little more. But it just simply says, a notorious criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. That's not at all what fucking happens in that movie. <laughs> Mind um, you,
3: what does happen in the movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what I says about it is um, simply, I'm just going to quote Nicolas Cage as to what he said about this movie, and he said, "This might be the wildest movie I've ever made," and I think that says enough.
1: Almost an understatement. <laughs>
0: Almost an understatement.
3: So we'll is, go-, is, go. ahead, is Laura. Is wildest. Is wild is his word for
0: worst because <laughs> <laughs> worst? Okay, we're gonna. Should we just start with Prisoners of Ghostland since Laura I think is gonna explode if we don't. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start with Prisoners of Ghostland. Yeah, so- that way we don't end on a brown
3: note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> brown note. <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and start with Laura on your general thoughts of Prisoners of the Ghostland. I'm guessing you loved it.
3: I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> so watch it again, dude. Check this out, okay? I went to the gym halfway through watching it because I just needed a break. Oh, oh shit! Man. <laughs> I went, I went, and I worked out for an hour just so I could, like, okay, get my mind right so I could finish the damn thing.
1: <laughs> I love that you did that. <laughs>
3: oh, that's hilarious. Uh yeah, yeah. So that's like my one sentence review of this movie.
2: <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> All you, right. you have to give us some some background on that though. Why why you why do you why feel like why didn't that you way? like it?
3: Oh my god, like it made no sense. Like, you know, and it, and it was really it was such like a um it's such a shock to go from like Nick and Pandro's conversation of wanting to make an adult movie with character development and real plot and story to go to that. <laughs> and I was
4: just like,
3: what the fuck have I done? I've taken the shine out of the other movie because I watched this second. I should have done it the other way around. <laughs> Laura's just freaking out. It's great. I- I can't even put this into like proper word. I'm really trying. I'm really trying, but (laughs) it just, it made no fucking sense to me at all.
1: This is going to be the shortest segment ever.
3: (laughs) The worst part about it was as nonsensical as it was like key plot points, as far as like the big reveal of who the demon was. And then the real demon being the governor. I'm like, well, duh. (laughs) everything that happened in between that, i'm like what the fuck <laughs> but okay if i have to say uh something of appreciation for this movie I got it for you the controlled explosion that removed his one testicle in like perfect condition other than being outside of his skin um that's like gotta be the best explosives work ever whoever made that suit is a genius. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. All right, Adam. Well, that's a
1: re- that's yeah. a review. That's
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a review for a movie that exists.
3: All right, and Adam, <laughs> what not did you think? I yeah. All right, Adam, what do you think?
2: <laughs> well, it may come to no surprise, but as for as much as Laura hates this movie, I love this movie an equal amount. Probably not surprised, <laughs> you guys.
3: But I love um, doing this with you. <laughs>
2: We me meet again um but yeah i think it's great i saw it you know video on demand when it when it first came out um i thought it was really good and i think when i watched it last night that was the third time i've watched it and what? i think
4: how
2: because it's great the, the first two times i watched it i felt like i was distracted by like the the, the really like kind of electric and neon way this was shot And also just by like a lot of the, the goofy and crazy and silly stuff in the movie. But I felt like last night when I watched it, I was actually more paying attention to the plot. And it's actually a really simple plot. Whereas the first two times I watched it, I was kind of like, Oh, what's going on here? Just because I was so like, I felt like a, a squirrel, you know, watching this movie and like every, every two seconds, there was something that was like taking my attention away from like what was really mm-hmm. going on. Cause there's so much crazy stuff in it. on um, like the side. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's actually why I like this movie so much that, you know, it's got a, it's got a fairly simple story. You know, you got Nick, the hero who um, robbed this bank and he was in jail and then the governor gets him out to um, track down his granddaughter in quotes um bernice and bring him back and and he does um and it's kind of a revenge story at the end but there's so much other cool stuff in the movie i'm a huge fan of bill mosley who's the governor i love him he also is um otis driftwood in rob zombies firefly trilogy like house of thousand corpses and um uh, those movies are really great and then Mm -hmm. um he's also chop chop in texas main texas chainsaw massacre 2 if you've ever seen that so he's He's kind of always been a, Explains um, a lot to me. <laughs> well, he's a genre actor. He's been in horror films for like 30 years. And I just think he's great. So that was like a huge bonus that he was in it as the governor. And I, I like the whole uh, the whole story of the Ghostlanders where they essentially survive this this nuclear accident. And they're all kind of mutants and weird and and all of that. Um, oh, and shout out to Ratman, the weirdo guy with a mm. like, robot voice. Love him yeah I, I guess this movie is awesome <laughs> i love the <laughs> apocalyptic feel um i just thought it was shot really cool i don't know what did you think eric
3: yeah eric
1: boy what did i think <laughs> what did i think
3: choose your next so, words very carefully
1: <laughs> so i have I have to agree with Laura and Adam in yes. both senses. So don't get too overexcited there now. Do do I agree that? with Adam too. How do you do that? <laughs> well, one, there's a, th- this movie really requires a lot of self-control to be able to sit down <laughs> and watch. Okay. And to be able to sit down and watch it, analyze it. And understand fully what's going on, without like Adam said, getting that squirrel effect, you know, because there's <laughs> so much happening. Uh, It takes a lot of patience. Um, So this is my second time watching the movie. Adam, I actually think the first time I watched it was with you. Like, yeah, maybe, I remember. Like, in your yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, And I think when we first watched it, we were we, it was it was you, me, and Chris. And we we're all like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. But. A couple things I've learned to appreciate about this movie since yesterday is one, you can't doubt or deny how beautiful the cinematography is in this film. It has amazing cinematography. Mm -hmm. Um, And so many different studios came together to put this, to make this film. There's something that I really appreciate about small studios all collaborating together to just put together a passion project, no matter how ridiculous it is. And I feel like that's what this was. I have to agree with Laura also about the, you know, whoever designed this leather suit. I mean, they've got to be the most amazing and just pinpoint explosions expert, whatever you call them, probably out there, because the fact that that testicle explosion <laughs> just pinpointed that one particular area, but not the other one, is just amazing. Magic. Magic. And <laughs> somehow didn't kill him with
3: blood loss. Like, mm-hmm. did it, did it, like, almost immediately yeah. cauterized the like I have so many questions about that one about <laughs> the that one nut. <laughs> Laura has a lot of
0: questions about Nicholas's busted nut in this movie
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. yes. I don't think those questions are going to get answered anytime soon but Mm-mm. probably not you know
1: but uh well,
3: I hope y- he didn't do his own stunts in this one cuz he might have lost it for real
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably but uh, yeah, I mean, I overall, I don't think this was a bad movie. I don't think this was – I also don't think this was a really good movie. Uh, for me, this is – like like Jen puts it sometimes, this is a movie that exists. Um, <laughs> okay.
4: It's, it does, it, yep. it's
1: not really something I would go out of my way to watch again, but I don't think I would ever tell anyone not to watch it. I would say, you know I what? Would. You should at least experience this movie at least once in your life, you know, just to say you did it. And then form your own opinion. I think Nick Cage had a good time filming this. It looked like he really did. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could see the effort was there. I think he understood that it was going for that cagey factor, mm-hmm. you know, especially especially at the testicles, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. I if think that's... the
3: thing that makes that scene was the pause between one and the screaming of testicles. Yes. Like it was it was it was like one second too long. Yes. And, and there's, yeah. <laughs> there's like no seriously, there's a, like some studies out there that say uh, a pause of four seconds or more—that's where it becomes awkward. Oh. Oh, so I feel like they did that on purpose because I mean it's already awkward, but let's just really punctuate it, you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one testicle, you know. <laughs> It reminded me of the pause in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like there are some who call me Tim,
0: Tim? <laughs> <laughs> Well it's cause he forgot the name So he just dropped Tim But
3: I, I regardless know, but, yes like, the, the effect was kind of similar Yeah, Which was that was a funny little Parallel for me I think that's why I find that Scene so funny I mean other yeah. than the word testicle but... Yeah.
0: <laughs> but then also How he says it and the intensity Of his screaming of the word It's yeah. not just like he screams It but there's definitely like An affliction towards the end of like I lost a testicle ah! yeah
2: yeah i wonder if that
1: was improvised too like uh, who I wonder knows that was a too. It, me.
0: it wouldn't surprise me i think
1: nick cage but- would definitely throw that in there on his own all
0: right well hold on before no. you guys get too far i would like to share my general thoughts on the movie yes, if please. i may do you have a general <laughs> no, thought about no. this movie i do um i have to echo just about everything adam said i love this movie it took i've watched it three times now Oh good. Wow. And I agree. The first time I watched it, I really was more caught up in like the visuals and like what the fuck is going on and kind of the overacting caginess of it all. But it's like when I stopped trying to read too much into this movie or try to find a deeper meaning, I really was able to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree, Adam. The plot is super simple. The story is not complicated. It's a baddie tasked by a bigger baddie to help said bigger baddie. And then the first baddie finds redemption and revenge by the end. Now, there are major plot holes and definitely shit that doesn't make sense. But, you know... I I just love that in order for hero to achieve that, he had to lose a testicle first. Um <laughs> and, but, but I felt like I, I felt like this is kind of like like a movie you would expect from Nicolas Cage. It is very cagey. His acting style, his wide-eyed expressions when he's talking about his dreams and then mm-hmm. the visual storytelling. I agree that I think I love how this movie is filmed. It gives me a lot of like post-apocalyptic wasteland anime feel like specifically anime and then i thought I that way too yeah and then i was reading that that's kind of the director's style there's a lot of like post-apocalyptic like anime influences in his visual storytelling so i thought that was really cool the way that all kind of came through and i just Like I said, once I just kind of stopped trying to figure out, does this movie have a bigger, deeper meaning, it doesn't. (laughs) And when you remove all of that, I think this is a lot of fun. It is kind of what you expect out of a cage movie with, again, with the acting, the screaming, the losing of a testicle and an arm. And... I I really enjoyed it. I kind of felt like Hero was a bit on a, a Suicide Squad mission with the governor being Amanda Waller. So mm. <laughs> that's another way to kind of look at it where I was like, yay, because I think we all know how much I love the Suicide oh my Squad.
3: Gosh. Are you going to have to start doing uh, another segment of like how a movie reminds you of the Suicide Squad? That's uh, <laughs> what <laughs> that feels like. So, okay, now that the three of you have explained the movie more rationally, because I'm still very much emotionally impacted by this. Scarred, impacted, traumatized.
1: What? Laura, this is your first time watching it?
3: Hell yeah, I did that okay. on
1: purpose.
3: I knew you all were, were going to watch it like multiple times because you do that thing. It's like someone's going to have that, holy fuck, what did I just watch?
2: I, I bet <laughs> this, would, this is probably a movie that you would have not otherwise watched if it oh, wasn't for the and- podcast.
3: Hell no, yeah. and I'm I'm okay. i okay with no. admitting that. Like <laughs> you guys call this a KG movie, and I totally get what you're saying. But uh, you know, forgive me for this, but no. I don't want this to be what KG means. Like no. you, you want me to to call a movie KG? Okay, well we can do that. We can do that in the second movie we talk about. Because Fair enough. I feel like completely the opposite about that movie. But now that you've you've gone through and explained things better than I can articulate right now. Um, <laughs> so I, I agree with you that visually, this was very anime style and that caught my attention. Um, it could not hold my attention is the thing. And I really think that if you are someone with attention span issues, be they ADHD or something else, you will struggle with this movie no matter how many times you watch it. Mm. Part of it is because there's just so much visual noise. Uh, The visual Mm -hmm. aspects that I did really enjoy were the dream flashback sequences because they kind of, you know, playing on the whole time aspect of the movie really slowed down and bled into things. And that was really cool. Um, And yes, the overarching plot is simple. That's why I was like, "Well, duh." Most of the time, like, (laughs) how how Mm -hmm. dumb is this guy? Like, (laughs) but when I say that the things that happen in between don't make sense, they there's so many unresolved threads. Like, this Mm -hmm. the one the chief swordsman is trying to save his sister, so why does he allow himself to die, without knowing whether or not she's actually going to be free? Like, I. I
0: think and, it's because he he at least at that point had enough trust in Hiro to take out the governor because I think Yushi uh, Yushi Hiro realized that you know he he does need to break away from the governor like his sister said and was just like you need to leave because he's full of lies he's bullshitting you you're never mm-hmm. gonna be free so that was a well, way f- so that that was my take on it but again there are still giant plot holes even with that theory.
3: Yeah, I know, because I'm like, but why did he have to die? And Eric, to your point, like this movie has a whole bunch of the Ryan Reynolds, but why meme? Because like, (laughs) you're like multiple studios came together to make this passion project. And I'm like, okay, but why?
2: (laughs) It was a lot of little studios, like at the beginning of the movie, you know, where they like flash the logo of the production company. There's like 10 of them.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah so saw, it's like everyone threw
2: in like a hundred grand or something like that or maybe a little bit more i bet the budget wasn't huge but, but yeah it was a lot of studios coming together and throwing in for it but uh, i think the as far as the plot holes go my only issue with it was um with hero and psycho his partner so yes you know I they have, have this uh... bank robbery at the beginning and um you don't get to see what happens right at the beginning of the movie but then there's that flashback that shows like psycho just like wasting everyone in the bank
4: mm-hmm. and then
2: when the cops come out nicholas cage kind of her uh, hero tries to stop the massacre uh but all the cops like shoot everyone and bernice's mom gets shot and killed and then she gets shot in the leg um and then you know they go to jail and they must have been in jail for like kind of a while because bernice is just like a little kid when that happens and then when he gets sent out on the mission by the governor, she's an adult. So it must've been some time. And then when he meets back up with psycho, he's like, not mad that he did all of that stuff. He's kind of just like, what's up, bro. You know, like Mm I was like, wouldn't you be pissed? Like this guy, like Mm -hmm. threw away a huge chunk of your life. Like, geez,
1: it was a pretty happy reunion that they had there in the end. It, it was, was, and it was, it was uh, really, really
3: jarring.
0: It was kind of, it was very weird. Yeah, I thought, that's not how I thought that interaction was going to play out at all. But and it, and yeah, they don't explain like how Psycho kind of came to this like Zenness awareness. Maybe he, other than realizing that, yes, the governor is the big problem and needs to be done away with, in a way like kind of finding God or clarity, some sort of, higher meaning in where he ended up, but they don't explain any of that.
2: <laughs> maybe it was because Psycho was involved in the nuclear accident. because mm-hmm. uh, it was actually his prison bus that collided with the truck of nuclear waste that exploded and destroyed the town. So maybe that had some I'm assuming that had some effect on him, possibly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. Cause he does I think doesn't he say something about being in like the nuclear hell or something like that mm-hmm. so maybe that yeah. did mm-hmm. help change his perspective but they don't give enough so we're kind of forced to assume that that's what it is and i think this movie does kind of puts the the viewer in that position a lot to have to assume this is how this happened and maybe that's kind of the point or maybe they don't care <laughs> i don't think i care i think i, don't I just either. I, mm-hmm. this is just enjoyable you know on the second and third rewatch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The first time I was confused as fuck, but I still had a bit of, I still had a good time. I was just confused, but I, I had more, uh, you know, I had more fun with each rewatch.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's where we differ because I don't think that a second or third rewatch would help me enjoy this movie. And it's not because I care so much about the plot. I mean, it's quite clear that there isn't going to be one from like the first five seconds, but, but, it's just not my kind of movie sure and it's it's not the anime style or anything i actually do watch some of those and enjoy those i just really don't like it
1: that's i feel like you had the same reaction when you saw jujitsu
3: no this is the (laughs) kicker are you ready for this i like jujitsu more
1: Uh um Really? And you hate that movie.
3: <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's funny. Wow.
1: But I really wish that I like had a either one way or the other sense on this film. Like I'm literally right in the middle with it. Like I can take it or I can leave it. Like yes, I this for me this is a movie that exists. I won't go out of my way to to to, to watch it. But I would if somebody ever said you guys want to watch prisoners of the ghost line. I just be like, sure. You know, if you want, if you want to, let's, let's turn it on, you know? Um, I think for me, it will take maybe a third rewatch though to actually hone in like you and Adam did on, you know, the, the, on the real plot of the story. I mean, the plot's easy to figure out. Like you said, bad guy, bad guy needs a help from another bad guy, save a girl we kill the main bad guy in the end and oh, look, it's psycho. Let's give him a hug.
4: Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. There's just so much stylized fluff and
2: like goofy, weird fluff that goes along yeah. with the movie. That is, it's it, distracting to the actual plot well, even, even though and, the plot itself is just like very linear and simple and that's
1: pretty much what laura just said i mean it's very visually it's extremely loud you know so i think
0: that's a really good way to put it
1: and it just distracts you from what the actual story is and you I, this isn't a, this isn't a film that you know you're going to watch and you're going to see that everybody took it so seriously i mean it's a serious well they took the film seriously but you know you know what i mean right
0: yeah like they still had like a good time (laughs) with it
1: yeah like they 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 knew they weren't aiming for oscars here basically yeah
0: i was since i i checked this this one out from uh the library so i watched some of the like behind the scenes kind of making of and yeah and really everyone did seem like they had a good time bill mosley really seemed to enjoy the character and kind of embracing that character uh, Sophia as well and she was saying that her for her fight sequence uh with the sword she had learned it just that morning and oh, then wow. they filmed it and so Damn. she she does try and do uh it, as many of her stunts as she's as she can and she's like a trained dancer and she's i think she's pretty well trained in other, in some fighting s- uh styles yeah so i could absolutely see her having been able to learn that and kind of master that choreography for the fight scene uh in a day in sure. half a day and then film it because that was a really i really liked the fight sequence with her and then the one with yoshijiro as he's taken out all the guys all the other people mm-hmm. running around and stuff mm-hmm. i liked i liked kind of the the violence and the gore of this movie because again it, it it didn't take itself too seriously and it was very much that anime feel with mm-hmm too much blood spurting. Like it felt a little like um, Quentin Tarantino-y in that sense with the overuse of like the shooting blood. And so in that, it's like, I felt like I couldn't take it too seriously. It's still trying to be fun and weird as possible, (laughs) if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. (laughs) Sure. It definitely accomplished the weird stuff. Yeah, for sure. So So we were kind of talking in our group chat the other day, is this the cageyest film ever? And Adam, I think you said no. Laura, you were
3: thinking yes? If you define KGS as in like his most outlandish, over the top, what the hell is he doing kind of stuff, then yes.
0: Okay. So I guess that's how we define a cagey film and the cageyness of a film. Mm-hmm. So Adam, what did you think? So you don't think this is the KGS film. So how do you define a cagey film?
2: Well, I definitely feel like it's cagey, Mm -hmm. but I felt like he didn't have enough dialogue in this movie for it to be like a highly cagey movie. Like I would consider, um, you know, even Face Off or Wild at Heart to be much more cagey than this film because he's he's got so much more to work with in those films in terms of scenes and dialogue and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Where I felt like in this one, it was pretty straightforward and. Yeah, there were some good. There were some good scenes, but there was only like a handful of KG scenes in this movie where I felt like, you know, films like that that I just mentioned are KG all the way through with his performance. Um,
3: oh, I see. So you're taking it more as like his individual performance, whereas yes. I'm I'm taking it like the whole aesthetic of the movie. The type like, of
2: movie. I get that.
3: His though. his entire presence in this movie is KG. He doesn't have to say anything for it to be KG. I'm not sure that he could pull that off without the dialogue in something like Face Off.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, sure.
0: Right on. Eric, what do you think? Where does this rank for kg and your definition of kg
1: I have to agree completely with Adam on this. I don't think he had enough dialogue in this movie to really make this considered a KG film per se, but it is KG. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like uh, he, he he's going out... He, he's going out of his way to just kind of just to be as bizarre as possible in this movie. And this character is that he plays is, is extremely bizarre. Um, and he has that one really, there's a, there's a moment in the film where he's just really super creepy and the governor totally warned him about this, but like the moment where he's taking like all the, uh, Uh, mannequin like prosthetics off of bernice you know Mm -hmm. and he keeps saying take it off take it off you know Mm -hmm. and all that it's like oh dude you're getting real creepy vibes here then next thing you know ball explodes Um...
3: (laughs) that was was actually not the take it off stuff which i thought you know should have like set off the sensor uh for his remaining testicle at that point Mm -hmm. because (laughs) because like the way he was doing it you're right was super creepy but he lost the testicle because he was pouring water into Oh yeah, mouth. yeah 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 you're right
1: you're and it right he was like trying to help her it out. At point. Yeah.
3: Yeah and okay. then he got pervy. He got a little carried away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know I wouldn't call this the Kageus movie as far as cagey films go for me when I think of a cagey movie I I actually do think Wild at Heart. I think Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. You know? Yeah yeah for sure. To me those are the, the, those are true cagey movies. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if we're looking at, you know, there's also, I think, a sub-cagey sub category where we look at action cage, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Oh my yeah. gosh.
1: Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> like The like Rock and like, these I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like there are different, there there, but there are different subgroups of cagey films, in my opinion, you know? You got those real... F- like true comedic KG films, you got the action ones, you got the what All the right. fuck ones.
3: <laughs> Let me throw this out at you. Let's do like a, a checklist. You cool at this, Jen? Sure. Okay, okay. So, was this, was he weird in this movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Was there sure. action moments in this movie? Yeah. Yes. yes. Was. He a perv in this movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he was. Was
3: he overly dramatic in this movie?
1: Just the way <laughs> I'd expect him to be, yes. Yep.
3: <laughs> so tell me what cagey, cagey piece of things, regardless of what subcategory, this doesn't hit for you, other than a lot of dialogue. Boys? I'm
1: going to play the fifth <laughs> on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I don't
4: know
2: I, how to answer that. <laughs> I agree with you, Laura. It's got all of those elements, but I feel like it doesn't have a lot of any of those elements in it.
1: Interesting. It's a mixture of all the different things that you would expect from a cagey style film. It seriously is. Yeah. I don't think you could just really define this particular movie in a singular group. It's just
3: so this, this is interesting to me because um, outside of the just visual loudness, the other overwhelming sense I got from watching this movie uh-huh. was that that vicarious cringe, that discomfort, and I'm, sure. I'm serious. I felt it so strongly. That's why I went to the gym. I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she had to escape the ghost lands. <laughs> like, it was it
3: was full on like fight or flight response. And I'm like, no, nope, this is, this is the KG's movie for me. Like mm-hmm. if I saw him even in this more subtle way, have that mix of stuff. Like, and I had an interaction with someone like that, like not even just him, someone acting like that. I would be running the other way, and I can't even run properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love this! I love this oh, conversation man. and the discussion and the definitions of caginess. I think for me, my definition lies somewhere in between Laura's and you know Adam and Eric's, and kind of how you define the caginess. And I love that you guys are referencing Wild as Heart, Wild at Heart, as like his cagiest role, or what you think is ca- that. You think it's that's his KGS role. Because there was a lot of inspiration um from of Wild of Heart in this, and I think within Nicholas's portrayal of Hero, the mm-hmm. director, Sion I I again, I apologize, I didn't practice the the pronunciation, but the director, Wild at Heart is like his favorite movie, like his favorite Nicholas Cage oh, I didn't movie. Know that. Oh, really? So I love <laughs> that you guys picked up on that. And I think because then I think Nick said too in like the behind the scenes stuff that he was kind of in a way kind of pulling from that role a bit in that wildness, in that caginess.
4: Mm-hmm. So
0: I love, I think that's so interesting that you guys are divided on, you know, the level of caginess and what defines caginess. Uh, for me, I think this is a cagey movie. I think he is cagey. I think. I don't think Cage needs dialogue to be cagey because we see that in Willy's Wonderland. He Mm -hmm. is perfectly cagey and does not have one line of dialogue Mm. and the way the man has mastered his own way of being him.
1: That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about Willy's Wonderland. So. Oh my god,
0: I love that movie so much. Yeah. I need to watch. I need to rewatch that one too. Um,
1: <laughs> and that's a really well done film too. Like the, the way that movie's put together. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't have a single role, but it's like it's total Cage. You know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, good point. Yeah.
3: And I feel like he took what he did in Wild apart and took what he did in uh, Willy's Wonderland and like refined the two to be this level of cagey in this movie without having to do as much. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I can t- and that's 100% I see think, that. Like, this is like him crafting his caginess into something more refined, you know? And I didn't even know you could do that. So, yeah. therefore, <laughs> applause to him. And also, I, I stand by what I said. This is his cagiest movie.
0: Right on. I really don't think there there isn't a, a right or wrong answer to this because, again, it's how we all individually define... Mm -hmm. a cagey role a cagey film and I mean it's definitely up there I think we can at least agree on that (laughs) (laughs) top three top three yeah All right. Well, speaking of top three, why don't we go ahead and move on to our second movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Ooh. And, you know, for those that maybe not understand, get the reference because they talk about their top three movies. And Nicolas Cage has that wonderful quote about how can you pick a favorite after over 100 years of rich cinema. I love it. And it's because it's all about, you know, the, your moods, like changing of the seasons. And I couldn't fucking agree more. And so my I feel like my favorites always change. But I think this is definitely for a Nicolas Cage movie. This might this is going to be in my top three for sure of Nick Cage mm-hmm. movies. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, we'll start with. Uh, we'll start with Adam.
2: I like this movie a ton, just because I feel like it's um, a movie for Nick Cage fans, clearly by Nick Cage fans, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was kind of just like a capstone of his career up to this point when the movie was made. And also, um, I think it's very clever, self-aware, and meta without being too over the top in that respect. But yeah, I, th- I think I loved, you know, I loved it. I love Pedro Pascal. I think him and Nick make a perfect, you know, buddy matchup for like a comedy like this. Um, and there's so many cool little like ultra cage fan golden nuggets in this movie, which I really appreciated. And it's just fun too, you know, in a completely different Type of movie than prisoners of the ghost land but Mm -hmm. in a kind of a similar way the plot was completely secondary for me when it comes to unbearable weight of massive talent it's more about the um the exchange between pedro and nick and all like the little nick cage things and stuff i mean the plot was good it it was fun um but still kind of secondary to me to that other stuff but but yeah i love it you know i think Mm -hmm. it's great
3: all right, right on. And Laura? I legit love this movie. Like, it it has dethroned pig. I, <laughs> I really love this movie. Like, okay, uh, the plot was secondary, yes. But it was just amusing to me that the whole focus of the movie, the real focus of the movie, was that whole adult character development, storyline relationship yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how many layers of calling themselves out are they going to do? Like mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoyed that kind of humor. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, but like, there was just subtle nods to everything too. Like, you know, when Nick Cage saw that poorly made mannequin of himself in, in the, <laughs> in the the temple of Cage, Um <laughs> uh seriously i'll give you 20 grand for it i'm like yeah he would totally do that. yeah he would
2: definitely yeah. try to buy it uh-huh. and maybe he actually did after this movie
1: we don't know <laughs> I <laughs> I i'd like to think know. he was gifted that yeah
3: yeah but like maybe that was ad lib maybe he legit offered to buy it right at that moment
1: like, <laughs> like he didn't realize like they were totally, even being filmed <laughs> like totally
3: impulsively right <laughs> you could totally buy that too but Uh, I just loved it and like the whole acid trip scene
4: was like (laughs) oh I love that scene
3: it was face that adorable face (laughs) that (laughs) he I was just like oh then I remember he got his eyes squeezed out by the mountain I was like like, putting those two things together and it's like oh what have I done to myself and So my husband got up at 6.30 in the morning to watch this movie with me and he was enjoying it. We were laughing a ton and I'm like, what a great way to start the day. How Mm -hmm. many movies can you sit down to watch at six in the morning before you've had coffee, before you've had breakfast and be like, I'm having a good time right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Just it so can't feel possibly good. get any worse than this. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> Let's I, watch Prisoners no, of Ghostland. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't look, I didn't read any spoilers for either movie. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. Um, but I kind of had a, an inkling of what to expect with Prisoners of the Ghostland because, you know, in our previous chatting, that testicles scene was shared. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that was my one insight into what I was getting into with that. And I'm like, I'm not sure how much I'm going to like unbearable weight of massive talent, but I know I'm going to hate this one. (laughs) I really wasn't expecting it to be such a perfect balance of the two ends of the spectrum of Nicolas Cage for me. But holy shit. And like the dude has no shame whatsoever. Like he even called out his own questionable parenting in the movie. And that's been in the news cycle a few times. So he's like, yeah, you know, uh, nothing's off limits here. And I also love that love or hate him, love or hate the movies, you know, it took his entire career to make this movie possible.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Absolutely.
3: All right, Eric.
1: Well, first off Nicholas Cage and Pedro Pascal is the bromance that we that we definitely needed. We didn't know we even needed it in. And, 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 and when we got it, it was like, how are we missing out on this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love the way that these two guys interact with each other. Like they were meant to do a movie with one another. Um, so I, I just thought having those two great actors together in one film was almost enough to sell the movie for me before even seeing it. Um, but the movie is just basically what everyone has said so far. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's there, it's actually kind of emotional in some ways. You know, you like Laura said, he, he you know he had to work all the way up to this point in his career in order to make this film. So there is that sense of self awareness throughout the entire movie. But at the same time, they just have so much fun with they just have so much fun with it. Um, this is a movie I could definitely watch. Maybe. Once a month, if I really put my if I really was up for it, you know, I just don't think that as far as uh now new modern Nicolas Cage movies go that we're going to be getting from here on out. I don't know how they could possibly top this Um, because it, it it hits almost every Nick Cage fans expectations of what they want from a Nick Cage movie, you know, mm-hmm. Um it's just yeah. That's pretty much all I really got to say about it.
0: Right on. I I don't really have a whole heck of a lot to add to um, any of you guys, because I completely agree. I fucking love this movie. (laughs) Uh, The second I saw the trailer, I was like, I don't need to see the movie. I know I love it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was totally one of those things. As soon as I even heard the concept, I was like, I'm in.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I watched the trailer so many times because it just brought me so much joy. And then seeing the movie, and then I bought it as soon as it was available just on digital, because I was like, I need I need this movie in my life in my collection somehow. So I, I love this movie. You know, we were just talking about different levels of caginess. And I think he is this is another movie where I think he is like, perfectly and delightfully mm-hmm. cagey this is a version right. of a cagey yeah, film sure. that i think everyone can kind of get behind
1: oh yeah you know? yeah right and does it get more cagey than nicholas cage arguing with nicholas cage um, i mean Nikki. that's uh, one of yeah, my favorite well, yeah, parts of the does, movie is Nikki. it
3: does when he when he made out with himself oh,
2: yeah so, <laughs> yes. i was shocked the first time smooch- i saw that
3: <laughs> smooch is good <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you tell him that you tell him just like <laughs> no please please don't (laughs) but seriously this is the kind of thing that this is how i want this is what i want K.G. to mean like what he did in this movie good bad creepy whatever otherwise this is what i want K.G. to mean even that moment in the movie where i was like oh too much too much i'm like i love this movie i i can't i can't not love this movie and like oh man even the moment in the jeep when they traded shoes i was like oh that's
2: so adorable (laughs) yeah i I like that too when they traded shoes at the end that was really good
1: i don't know i felt like there was there there was just so much about the about nick cage playing nick cage you know that just worked out so well and i don't know if you could get a lot of actors to really pull it off the way that he did you know to pull off fictionalized versions of themselves based on real versions of themselves, you know, because like Jen said, this is supposed to be a technical fictionalized version of Nick Cage, N-I-C-K, but at the same time, this Nick Cage had the same experiences in his life as he really had in his life doing the same movies, Con Air, Face Off, stuff like that. So it's really cool that the way that they just Put that together, and how Nicholas Cage was just able to roll with it so easily. I I don't know. I mean, I think it takes a a, a well a massive talent to be able to do that,
2: and, and a rich <laughs> career. Like I don't know if there's another actor. Well, I mean, there's sure there's there's probably one I can think of, but um, t- to be the lead in this role, you kind of had to had a career that could be mined for yeah. all of the things in the movies, and and I don't know. Many actors have that.
0: I think uh Bruce Willis could do it.
2: Yeah, maybe Bruce Willis, maybe Bill Murray, maybe. Sure. Possibly.
4: Yeah. yeah maybe.
0: maybe, but yeah, with, I don't with know. Bill Murray and his recent uh I don't headlines know if pertaining to. to him.
3: Yeah, I don't know if people want are gonna want that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta give it to Nick Cage. So landers to some of the headlines have been throughout his career, good and bad, true or false. Uh They haven't been that bad, so. Very
0: true. Very true. Yeah, I just want to talk about kind of like the meta-ness of this movie real quick, because that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I absolutely fucking love about it. So, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, but then he also plays like another version of Nick Cage in like the, in Javi's finished movie. So, we get all these different versions. We see... We get some foreshadowing kind of during like the LSD scenes where Mm -hmm. there's the chase scene um, and then Javi sacrifices himself or offers to stay behind so Nick can get away. And even though in the LSD scene, it's absolutely ridiculous. And he's like, you're much heavier than you look. And he's like, I have a big head. I felt
2: that. (laughs) (laughs) That was very clever in the LSD scene, too, when they were talking about the movie that they wanted to make. And uh, they were like, in our movie, we should have a big drug scene. And then like they were talking about um, talky comedies and Nick was like, I hate talky comedies, Mm -hmm. you know, so I thought that was really clever.
0: So it's like very like self-aware, but without being like pretentious, it just Uh all really melds perfectly together. And one of the other things like it kind of reminds me of like um, like an adaptation you know, we've got the the main characters trying to write his movie and it wants to be, you know, he wants it to be kind of more of a thoughtful and a, a legit, quote, legit movie. But his brother's like, no, you got to throw in an action sequence and a car chase scene. And that's what we get by the end of the movie of adaptation, because it's almost like his brother has then taken over in, in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we got that a little bit in this movie, because as we've talked about, it's very kind of tongue in cheek in that sense. Cause yeah, we've got the, um, yeah, the chase scene, the leave behind scene, but then also it's called Chekhov's gun, where in a movie or something, they take time to show a particular thing, so it has to come back and be relevant. So they uh-huh. did that with the golden guns in the cage, muse, cage of muse, museum of cage, and then again with the knife that fell in the back of the jeep. So, mm. I love these little tidbits that it kind of drops all along the way that's telling you the story that it's telling you and that it's going to tell it again, but in this like fictionalized hobby
3: movie version. And mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, on that subject, I was really hoping the mannequin would come back into it.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Somehow, darn.
3: I, I really needed it to.
1: <laughs> what a that disappointment that it didn't.
3: <laughs> yeah. But
0: um, let's see what else. Oh, so when they talk, I just need to know real quick, who here has seen Paddington Paddington Two? Anyone? I, I haven't, not. but I want to now. Yeah, same here. So no, I
2: kind of want to. <laughs> I also haven't seen Croods Two. That's
0: okay. It's Croods Two is all right. <laughs> it's not as good as the first one.
1: Okay. (laughs) Adam, have you seen Crudes One?
2: I haven't, but that was Tiffany Haddish's favorite like Nick Cage movie, Crudes Two, in Mm -hmm. the movie. And I was like, I didn't even know he was in that. I haven't seen the first one.
3: (laughs) I loved her, by the way. I thought she was really a really good addition. And she was like, you know, trying to be like all helpful and supportive and stuff.
0: I thought the CIA agents were so fucking stupid. Like she keeps texting him, where are you? Have you done it? Have you checked this out yet? Like, stop. You're the fucking CIA, a little bit more dis- you know, discretion. Mm-hmm. And just they're like, oh, we have, you know, we have our sources and our information says this and that. Like your information and your sources suck. Do better. CIA. Exactly. But I think, I think, yeah, I think the actor choices kind of fit the the doofiness of this version of the cia
3: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i feel like that's what they were going for fair enough okay so they talk about their top
0: 3 movies what are your guys's like top 3 movies non cage does not have to be a cage movie if you're able to narrow it down to a top 3
1: oh does genre matter no for me gosh lord of the rings probably trilogy as a whole would be my top Then I would have to probably say, honestly, probably Scott Pilgrim versus the world would be my number two. I love that movie. Coming to a podcast near you, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not for a few months. So don't get too excited, people. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And my last one, my third one. um, Paddington 2. No, just kidding. Paddington
1: (laughs) 2. Yeah. Uh, No, I would say my third favorite movie of all time would probably be a horror film and would be the blair witch project. Really? I'm surprised by that. Uh, hmm. What oh, do you really? love about it so much? Cuz it was ahead of its time. I That's love how, true. I love it was an innovative movie and it basically created a whole sub sub genre of movies that it probably didn't even intend to create. Mm-hmm. The and uh yeah it was just I could probably go on for a little while about it, but I won't take up anyone else's time. <laughs> Laura, what are yours?
3: Yeah. Oh, don't ask me. This is hard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
3: We'll come back to you. And then Adam?
2: Um, I think I mentioned this before in the Swayze podcast, but my number one's Point Break. Number two, I would say um, maybe the Back to the Future trilogy or the original indiana jones trilogy i just i love those trilogies i can watch those movies like a million times and not get tired of them um i'd say more recently uh, um some of my favorite movies are um highlander i actually didn't see highlander until maybe like five or so years ago i was very late coming to that movie but since i saw it i'm like low-key obsessed with it i think it's just amazing
4: um
2: so yeah, I'll I'll put those as my like top three for now. Okay,
0: all right, Laura, have you got it narrowed down or is it uh, like is it like trying I, to take an order at a table? Do we need to come back?
3: I I at least have two.
0: Okay, that's fair.
3: Um, number one for me, for about as long as I can remember, is the Princess Bride. That's I a great movie. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Love it. As you um, wish. <laughs> nice. Also, a really
0: good book too that was written by Carrie Elway. And- Isn't the audiobook is amazing. So I oh, highly recommend it. I not even know that. that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've read it and not listened to it, but I, I should. Um number two is and I, I I have to preface this. Not a Russell Crowe fan, but I love a beautiful mind.
1: Oh interesting. Nice.
3: There's so much about that movie. Like it really does the layers of everything that's going on in his head so well. And makes those visually accessible, which is really hard to do. And I feel like uh the BBC Sherlock uh kind of borrowed from that visual reference in terms mm, of how mm-hmm. it shows Sherlock's thought process when he's mm, investigating. Sure. <laughs> um but God, I I love that movie. Yeah, it's hard for me to pick a third though, because like I feel like being third, I can be like a little more um less subjective i guess about it uh because like i enjoy movies that other people might find dumb or dated or like not not serious um like 10 things i hate about you i can always go back and rewatch that movie mm-hmm. i just so saw that, that movie
1: for the first time not that long ago
3: is like and, yeah i remember your opinion on it <laughs> uh, I would love, I would love to talk about that sometime.
2: <laughs> Laura, do you like that movie so much because it reminds you of like a very specific time in your life?
3: Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, I'm just a huge nerd and I love Shakespeare. And <laughs> I thought that was a really hey. clever interpretation of Shakespeare in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, that I, I lied earlier. I'm so sorry. I just remembered this. The other thing from Prisoners of the Ghostland that I could say I enjoyed was the Shakespeare reference when he picked up the football helmet. <laughs> Which was so random. Yeah. That was I fun. was like, of course he fucking did that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I love a, a good a good take on Shakespeare. Like that is literature that will never truly die. Um so I guess I would tend to sleep with that at number three, but I, I imagine that number three would cycle out for me quite a bit.
0: I'm surprised usual suspects didn't make your list. Cause I know how much that movie had meant to yeah. you.
3: It would, but the whole stuff with Kevin Spacey yeah. makes it kind of difficult for me to go back and enjoy those movies the same way, because honestly that and uh, baby driver, um, could make the list if you weren't for that being muddied right now. Because, mm-hmm. like, you mentioned the Blair Witch Project being ahead of its time and being innovative and inspiring movies that wouldn't have happened otherwise, potentially. A Baby Driver did that. Like, that was, the, that was them making the entire movie around the soundtrack. The soundtrack yeah, was, so was the star. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy music. Uh, you know, I used to do more in it when I was growing up but it means a lot to me so to see to see it be the star of a movie like that was just awesome but like I said the Kevin Spacey stuff is kind of yeah kind of ruined some things for me at least for a while
0: he's definitely he's definitely putting a test to the uh, art from the artist separating the art from the artist Uh, I
3: feel like it's hard it's really hard to do Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. But every time I start to get there, another like article comes out and it's like, oh, yeah, just stop. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah,
0: it's hard. So I really suck at picking a top anything. I don't know why I added this because I'm like, I'm not going to have a fucking answer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, again, like my everything changes and it's like right now uh because you know we're recording this in October I don't know when this will be released um but I'm really into like spooky movies so I just rewatched like Scream uh for the podcast and I forgot how much I fucking loved that movie I don't know such that it would such a classic such a mm-hmm. classic I don't know that it would break like a top 3 per se but it's definitely one that's kind of more fresh in my mind but if I were to go back and kind of consider rewatchability and just enjoying a movie for for what it is i mean like that thing you do is one of my all-time favorite movies oh, yeah. oh, that's that a good one. Movie. that movie
2: and i love the soundtrack one. yeah i like that one too
0: and you know then i can also go back to like you know like clueless i love clueless and i used to watch that movie like literally every single fucking day and again another great soundtrack so and then, of course, I can say The Suicide Squad, because I watch that movie almost daily for like <laughs> several <Ever>? weeks straight. <laughs> I've taken a little breaks here and there and another great soundtrack. So I guess that's kind of the a way to clinch it is have a kick ass soundtrack. But yeah, so I just was curious because since I talked about it in Unbearable Weight and again, Nicolas Cage has that amazing quote about how hard it is to pick a favorite or hell even mm-hmm. like a top three mm-hmm. sometimes because Javi delayed his top three for like the entire day so that's kind of where i'm gonna i'm gonna land with that one is just some classic favorites of mine that are very easy to rewatch and i think for the most part have all aged really well like no big major issues
4: mm-hmm.
0: outside of what you may be may expect for anything made during those specific times but all right. Well, we'll go ahead and start with our Midwest goodbye and start wrapping things up here. So, any stray bubbles. Does anyone have about either of these movies?
2: Yes, just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for Prisoners of the Ghostland, uh this this movie reminded me of a couple other movies that I really like. So, I just want to say if you like Prisoners of the Ghostland, Check out um, Turbo Kid, and I know Eric, you're oh, on yeah. board with that probably. Love it. Um,
0: I think I've seen that one.
1: I've, I've, I've mentioned that movie to you a few times too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I recommend that as well.
2: Um, and then the second movie I'd recommend, if you like Prisoners of the Ghostland, is Six String Samurai. It's this movie from the late '90s, uh, also set in a post-apocalyptic world about a rock and roll samurai. And uh, definitely <laughs> reminds me a lot of <laughs> Prisoners of the Ghost Land in some ways.
1: Are you okay, Laura? <laughs> she loves know this. concept. not going
2: to watch this one. Oh but... no, no,
1: no! She might now. Look at, look at that! How could you not?
3: <laughs> Wait. It's got to be better. It's got to be better than what I watched this morning. <laughs>
0: All right, Eric, do you have any stray bubbles? Oh, I just want to <sighs> mention
1: a scene from Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent that Please. we didn't touch up on. And it's the scene where um, Nick has just been um, is now for the first time going undercover with the uh, <laughs> uh, with the CIA or whoever it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And he accidentally uh, touches his forehead with the <laughs> chemical agent <laughs> that he was supposed to use to knock out <laughs> that entire scene. Was just beautifully done. He, Nick Cage put so much of himself, I feel like, into just like this guy who just accidentally drugged, just drugged himself, and just mm-hmm. like everything from him, just like f- stumbling around the way he's just like hanging onto the edge of the fucking house and crashes into the room. But then when <laughs> and then but then when the when the agent, what's her name? Uh, Tiff. Uh, the
0: actress is Tiffany Haddish, and she's okay. been very uh. Not great in the headlines of
1: late, but well, for this particular movie and in this particular scene, when Tiffany Haddish's character screams action and he just suddenly mm-hmm. wakes up and shoots himself with the adrenaline or the uh, uh, the cure, uh, just loved it. I love that and everything about that scene. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that part of the movie.
0: I'm glad you did because I love that. And yeah, when in that scene where she yells action and he just sits right up. Fuck it, I lose it every single time. It is so perfect. <laughs> and I think it's so perfect of Nicolas Cage, like not just the character in the movie, but I think a little bit of the person as well and, yeah. and the actor. Yeah. So
1: For sure. Absolutely. Oh, and one more thing. And the whole Humphrey Bocart could be a porn star name. I just had to laugh my ass off <laughs> yeah, when good. that came up. <laughs> that was so, a good little scene. So was
3: good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, Laura? Even the lead up at the beginning of the movie, you know, that kind of set the stage for everything was well done in my opinion so i know we're talking more about the the bromance side and that platonic friendship was a like a master class in how to do platonic relationships in movies um but the whole thing was good from start to finish and like even when he first got there like easter eggs galore okay i thought that his little like Walk into the pool and sit down and drink his beer was very reminiscent of leaving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh sure, yeah. I, didn't I, I thought that
3: was a. I thought that was a really subtle nod to that, and you know, it kind of set the tone for the rest of. This. I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah,
1: that's a good catch, Laura. Yeah, I didn't even think that. That's great.
3: So uh, just
0: kind of two things real quick one of my favorite lines in unbearable weight is and it was in the trailer too but during uh nick and his agent played by neil patrick harris their little exchange about like you know nick being back but not that he went anywhere because i'm just like uh, yeah. a right if you are a mm-hmm. true nicholas cage fan he never went anywhere and i love that the other thing i just wanted to mention was the actress that played uh nicholas's wife in this movie um i'm sorry i don't have her name down, but. When she, when they kind of go in disguise, and Nicholas is done up as the head—I don't know, oh, one yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. Sergio, Sergio, yeah—and he's got like the prosthetics on and everything. And Barbara from Santa Barbara, I loved that. <laughs> I, I loved, I loved this because it's not a lot, but like the women in this movie, I really enjoyed, uh, it's mostly Barbara because she wasn't gonna be intimidated. By any of these people. And she stood her ground when Javi's cousin was all like threatening quote Sergio. And she's like, why the fuck do you think I would be intimidated by you? I loved it. She didn't cower. She stood her ground was Mm -hmm. fierce and you know, total 100% like mom mode to like save the daughter and all of that and get the kids out of there. And then even Gabriella and then, uh, reversing the Jeep to run over dude. Like I love and then also staying behind with Javi to shoot out the baddies that are chasing him during the, the the car scene, car chase scene. So, quick shout out to some of the women in this movie cuz I thought they were great and I really enjoyed their performances as well. And all in all, I fucking love this movie. So, mm-hmm. I can rewatch it a cojillion billion times.
1: And uh, speaking of the women of this movie, just how great was it But like at the end when they were actually showing the scene from Hobby's, him and Javi's movie? And there's mm-hmm. Demi Moore who comes on screen <laughs> playing his wife. Yeah. That was that amazing. Was really I loved it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. And I guess there were supposed to be a lot more cameos in this movie, but because of COVID, they really scaled it back. Um, I read that like Quentin Tarantino was supposed to have like a cameo in oh, this movie. That would have been good. Um, which is kind of funny because there's a certain, there's just a scene. Where it's it's after the car chase scene. And so Nick and the family are trying to get to where like the CIA agents are, but the CIA agents have been caught by, you know, the gangsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's like an overhead shot, like a bird's eye shot of the family pulling into whatever building area. There's something about it. Maybe it's the soundtrack, the music score at the time, but for that scene, but it felt for a minute Quentin Tarantino y. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and then reading that he was going to be one of the cameos, I was like, huh. So I felt like that would have been a nice, another little maybe meta moment or kind of just tongue-in-cheek homage kind of thing. But either way, that was what I picked up on, So, and we all know I'm a little kooky. All right, so this is where we would normally play... The Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, where we link these movies, one or both of these movies, to Nicolas Cage in Six Steps or Less. But these are Nick Cage movies, so we're not going to do a Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Instead, because this is also my Swayze Crazy crew, we are going to do The Six Degrees of Patrick Swayze. So you need to get Swayze Crazy in Six Steps or Less with one of these movies or both, if you guys happen
3: to do both. So, who would like to go first? I will because I probably have the least great one. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, I really okay. failed at this and I apologize. But I'm um, going <laughs> to know, sell it. <laughs> the, the first thing that came into my head when you mentioned we were going to do this, and then I was watching these this morning, um, I remembered from how I met your mother, you know, Neil Patrick Harris did a Patrick Swayze scene because he's a huge Patrick Swayze fan. And he also did one in Doogie Howser, um back in the day. So it's kind of funny that that, you know, happened more than once. Um, not a movie they started together or anything like that, but I just thought it was a nice little homage. And since That's cool. Unbearable Weight is kind of an homage movie, it seemed to fit. Nice. Nice. Very good. All right.
0: Next. Who wants to go next?
1: I'll, I'll do mine next. I actually have two. Oh, Good job. Um, I think this is the first time I've ever had more than one, so. (laughs) but they're both very short, but they're good. Um, So mine, I felt like it's like a super duper obvious one. Um, So Nick Cage is the nephew to Francis Coppola, who is the director of The Outsiders, which also starred Patrick Swayze so nice. uh,
0: good job
1: <laughs> and then another one that i found is uh nick nick cage uh was the star of the ghost rider movies and co-starring with him in the ghost rider movies was the just absolutely legendary actor sam elliott mm-hmm. and sam elliott also co-starred with patrick swayze in roadhouse
2: <laughs>
0: very good Oh, yeah. good job, you guys! All right, Adam, what have you got?
2: I didn't do my homework for this one. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have one for this right now. I feel like I've I totally failed at this. I'm high
3: fiving you virtually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sucked at this too.
3: Well, that's all right.
0: I've done too. So Eric and I did your guys's homework oh, for you. So I, I did. I, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> So I did both Prisoners of the Ghostland and Unbearable Weight. So I'll start with kind of the easier one, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent has Demi Moore who is in Ghost. But Bing, being about Oh, bada yeah, I should have oh, seen that. Oh, oh
1: geez, I didn't even think of that
0: one. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that that was it took me a little bit to get the it this was one of those ones where I'm like I feel like I'm overthinking it because it felt I felt like I was struggling for a little while because it was so easy. I yeah. didn't. I wasn't seeing the obvious. Right. Um with Prisoners of the Ghostland, fun side fact, when I did this earlier, I messaged you guys that I'd done it mentally, but I hadn't written it down yet. I, I did I did Six Degrees of Bruce Willis for some fucking reason. So I was like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like um, to know what
1: you came up with for that.
0: <laughs> um. Well, all right. So we'll go. So I'll tell you what I got for Prisoners of Ghostland for right. Swayze, because it's kind of similar. But it stars... So obviously, Ghostland star Sophia Boutella, who was in The Kingsman Secret Service, was service uh, with Sammy L, who was in Staged Season Two with Whoopi Goldberg, who is in Ghost with Swayze. Oh. So originally, I was going. Uh-huh. I went the same route, and I got to Samuel L. Jackson, and then I went, hopped over to uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> 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 I, I forgot which white dude we were talking about today. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so that's how I got there. Um, yeah. All right. Well, now that that's done, what's been streaming in your guys' bubbles? Oh, and I do want to apologize to Eric real quick because I laughed hysterically at you when during our marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, Oh yeah, I'm, I listened
1: to it the other day, and I was I am, just like, "That's right." <laughs> I am so
0: sorry. That was so mean and so rude. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, it was not the answer I was expecting. I was maybe accepting, expecting. I feel something like I threw you off guard. I don't completely. think you were. I don't, I don't
1: think you were laughing at what I was watching. You were just laughing because that's not what you were expecting to hear. It that's the impression I got when I heard it.
0: Yeah, it was not what at all what I was expecting, and so yeah, completely caught me off guard. And then it kind of. I think morphed into like a nervous laugh. Like, why am I laughing? Like, this is mean, stop laughing, which made me laugh even more. So (laughs) I do sincerely apologize. And I hope you are enjoying Downton Abbey.
1: Truly. Oh, well, there you go. I was about to tell them, but actually I haven't watched a single episode since I told you about that. (laughs) We have, we have, well, all right. So real quick about that. Anastasia and I went back to watch it again and halfway through the episode, I'm nodding off and I'm just like, when do people start dying? because she told me her favorite characters start getting killed. She was like, she's like, it's a little later on. I was like, I don't know if I have this kind of time. <laughs> it's a long show. Like yeah. each hour long episode feels like it's like two and a half hours. There's so much deep dialogue. And then so, you're, really
0: you're really
3: selling this for me.
1: I'm not trying to, pr- I'm not <laughs> yeah. trying to, believe me. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, since we're talking about me, I'll tell you what's streaming in my bubble. Um, okay. So I am about to start House of Dragons again, um, actually tomorrow. Um, so oh, Anastasia just in and I time were, for
0: the finale.
1: That's what we were waiting for. We've only done the first two episodes. We're going to do them over again, and then we're going to just binge this probably over the course of the next week. So that's coming up this starting tomorrow. I have started watching Gilmore Girls again, uh, properly watching it for a second time. So Jen knows that I'm quite fond of this show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I've already mentioned before, and I think almost everyone knows this now, but I'll mention it again Halloween, doing my 32 days of Halloween. And I have not deviated from that path yet, so I'm very happy about that. It's been a I considered uh, Prisoners of Ghostland to be my Halloweenish movie last uh, uh, that I watched yesterday, just because you know it kind of has that little bit of a vibe to it, sort of I guess. So yeah, um, but yeah, uh, just doing a bunch of horror right now, uh, a lot of a lot of macabre style movies, um, Adam's Family, Coraline. You know, nice. Sweeney Todd the other day. So right on. That's about it for that's about it at the moment, really.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, Adam, what about you? What you've been streaming? Anything? Uh, anything good?
1: Yeah, currently I'm
2: watching Squid Game, and I know I'm late to the party on oh, that it's one. So oh. good. Um, then listen to I'm, my
0: podcast
4: episode when you're done. Okay.
1: Like, um, <laughs> I we just know got I done. With, we just got done with that not too long ago either, Adam. It was <laughs> we loved it. it.
2: It it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and then. Pretty recently, I finished um, Better Call Saul when it was done airing, you know, at the end of the final season. And then I immediately started watching Breaking Bad and watched that relatively quickly and then watched El Camino. So I finished that nice. a couple of weeks ago and that was fun. Um, what else have I been doing? Oh, um, tonight I'm probably going to watch Clerks 3. Um, I oh, just nice. watched Clerks 2 like last weekend in preparation for that. So really excited to watch Clerks 3. Sweet.
0: Very cool. All right. And Laura?
3: Uh, nothing new to report, really. I finished um, The Rings of Power.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. That was good, too.
3: Yeah. I enjoyed that a lot more than people are saying you should.
1: So I don't people know. People are what haters. The about it. <laughs> people are haters. This show is so good.
2: Eric, I have to admit, uh, I fell off on that
1: show. Well, uh, you need to fall back on that show. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen.
3: <laughs> Adam and I need to do more like podcast episodes like this because we're always on opposing sides, and it's amazing. <laughs> I love
0: it, and I love it so much.
3: Um, yeah,
0: I
2: also hated uh, House of the Dragon, and only got a few episodes into that.
0: All right. No, I, I disagree. No, Adam's not allowed exactly. to come back. <laughs> he's, he's clearly not going to belong in horny jail. No, Adam oh. is not going into horny. I guess you're lucky or maybe, I don't know. It's pretty fun in horny. Never mind, That I was going to sound oh, real bad.
4: It's
1: real fun in horny jail.
3: <laughs> I thought horny say it jail like was that. all about getting lucky. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I have been watching House of the Dragon as well, and I've had many conversations about how it's changed my perception of Matt Smith, so that, you know, that's going to be great for a podcast episode, I'm sure.
0: And the inner Uh, turmoil that causes.
3: Yeah, otherwise, (laughs) you know, it's the Great British Baking Show season, so of course I'm watching that. They came out with a Halloween special. I watched that and loved it, and that got me to watching Is It Cake with? Felix because oh my god that show's so fucking weird <laughs> oh he loves it he really loves it the kids love it so, too yeah so it's like sure we'll, we'll watch this so uh, yeah it's just a bunch of random stuff and because we were watching that I watched um that chocolatier show with uh um Aubrey I think is how you say his name he's like a master chocolatier he's French um, and he does, he posts videos to various social media platforms of him making these just beautiful, I think, perfect I've seen some chocolate of creations. And he was actually like helping other um, pastry chefs learn to do these things. And, you know, it had that wholesome aspect to it. Like, there was the competitiveness that's just part of being an American apparently. (laughs) And then, but there was like the educational aspect to it as well. And it was just really well done. So I watched that.
1: Hey, uh, I didn't really know you were into the bacon shows like that. Have you watched the, uh, the curious creations of Christine McConnell? No. So this is on Netflix as well. Check it out. It only got one season, which is a damn crime because it's so good. It's a complete okay. so Christine McConnell is a model slash baker. And she is very she is very into the macabre gothic style. And okay. I th- don't think enough people who were watching the show were really into that to be able to give it a second season but basically she has like these creepy ass puppets that like she talks to on the side kind of like peewee's playhouse <laughs> yeah. while teaching people no. how to bake like <laughs> these really creepy like like haunted house like haunted house like uh uh, uh rice krispie treat houses or like spooky pancakes spooky ghost pancakes but they like she does it with a twist and like they're really creepy looking she does all these amazing creations with food while at the same time creating like this weird haunted puppet environment okay, uh, that she's hosting it in
3: so i will drop a fun fact here um prior to i to the, the point where i really truly admitted the limitations of my disability to myself i wanted to be a pastry chef like I'm actually really good at baking, but I couldn't do that commercially for a nine to five or whatever hours they work, you know. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of
0: time on the feet.
3: So the the baking shows are, are, you know, just kind of me still enjoying that aspect of myself. Sure. Um, Yeah. Vicariously kind of. Right. Right. Do you imagine me trying to make this elaborate chocolate sculpture and not breaking it? yes and I I, I'm enjoying
0: what I'm seeing I have an idea for a show oh god
1: (laughs) will Laura break it
3: how elaborate can I get before MCP becomes too much find out on the next episode of Crippled Cakes Crippled Cakes
4: Crippled Cakes I love it oh my god I think Laura's Laura, gonna out of you, her chair. I Laura, don't think
1: you're she's seriously breathing. sitting on a million dollar idea right there. You need to pitch that to Netflix. <laughs> Hell
0: yeah. Oh my God. I would love to see something like that.
3: It'd oh, be so great.
0: fucking cool.
3: Especially with some of the big creations that they make, like, they're huge you don't have to get up on stools or, or like ladders to make
0: them and i'm just like yeah that's a great idea let's or, do that or like on some of like the big fancy baking shows like the holiday ones and stuff and they have to like carry their creation from like the baking <laughs> table to the display table and it's only yeah. like two feet but
3: these things are huge they're and like awkward eight feet
1: tall handing on a plate make yeah
3: it. Oh, you <laughs> I'm about to walk the Green Mile, you guys.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I love it, and I want to watch it so fucking bad. So until that's available <laughs> to stream in my bubble, we have also been staying current on House of the Dragon, and I'm really fucking enjoying it. I love that it's like Game of Thrones, but not, but still very Game of Thronesy. Because of all the politics of Westeros and King's Landing and everything. And I, I think the performances are fucking amazing. And they've done once again a great job of giving us some very easy to hate villains because the acting is phenomenal. Um. And then there's the the complications of Matt Smith being kind of sexy as Damon and all the conflict that happens within there because I have never once thought that man to be sexy. Like I've enjoyed him, I thought he's like like Laura and I have said like adorable as the Doctor, um, but never once was I like oh yeah the Doctor bow ties are cool. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just kind of like, hey Damon. <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry that was loud, really loud but. <laughs> and so I've been not really struggling with that. I've accepted it for what it is. So don't villain kink, kink shame me or Laura. No way, never. Uh-uh. So Laura and I are actually planning on doing a uh <laughs> like a sexy villains <laughs> episode. <laughs> So I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to create our top five or maybe top ten sexy villains and discuss why they're sexy and why other villains don't fall into sexy villain roles. Because hashtag not all villains. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, uh, I've been doing kind of a casual rewatch of the chilling adventures of Sabrina when I'm down in the pod basement editing um, or just kind of doing stuff around the house when the kids aren't around. Oh, and then kind of similar to Eric. I'm not doing like a full, you know, X number of days of spooky movies, but I've been trying to catch up catch up on scary movies that I haven't seen in the last few years. So, the one I watched last night was uh, Jordan Peele's Us, and I loved it.
2: Fuck, I loved
0: it. Mm. Oh, eh.
4: mm,
2: I Ooh. hate Jordan Peele, and I hate all his movies.
4: Oh my god! <laughs> wow.
2: like, like,
1: almost in a hostile way, I
2: hate
4: him. <gasps> What? What? I, I, picked, I picked up on that is that like how i feel about you it? Do, do you wow. have the same feeling
1: about jordan peel as i have about claire danes like like how i feel like she ruins everything she's in maybe oh <laughs>
4: oh, i feel that I think,
1: way about colin farrell as well except for the batman the batman's a different story I, but all right, i take that back i think he's good like he and peel um
2: that was good but i don't like any of his horror movies i just oh they're just all so yucky
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's so oh, interesting. No, I haven't cause seen wow. Nope yet, though.
2: And I, 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 I haven't seen Nope yet. I watched Nope just to see what the hype is about, but
0: that's funny because earlier you mentioned Rob Zombie and his movies, and I think they need to stop letting that man make fucking movies because I think his movies
1: are trash. <laughs> <laughs> they need to let, they need to stop Rob Zombie from making Halloween movies. I agree there. Oh, but his Halloween's are, were great. Yeah, they're openly. They're not the best. But
0: I, I saw House of a Thousand <laughs> Corpses and Devil's Rejects, and I was done after
2: that. I was uh, like, no, those are like oh, his two you. best movies. I don't agree. But, but I get that's it. Okay. I get it how he could be polarizing for sure. But, yeah.
3: interesting yeah. i agree with jen on the whole rob zombie front like yeah.
0: <laughs> he seems like you know and from what i've read he seems, he seems like, like a perfectly like a cool nice dude. guy but yeah. i just i can't i can't with his movies but that's just oh, me and but... i know plenty of other people love it but i and i haven't heard necessarily the best things about his version of the monsters so
1: that's I also kind an well, of another thing i doing. loved it i, loved I it. have an idea God. i liked it too
3: If we all have an an actor I'm not feeling good (laughs) No kidding If we all have an actor or actress or whatever That we just cannot stand Regardless of what they do We gotta do a show on that
1: Oh man I would love to do a Rob Zombie show I I don't
3: want to (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, you got to see the world, the the haunted world of El Superbisto. It's an animated That's movie so that it one. did. Oh, it's so good. I went to a midnight showing of okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. amazing.
3: Laura, what have because, you done? <laughs> because, because it's animated, I'll give it a shot. <sighs>
0: Anyways. <laughs> what have, have and, I done?
3: This will be to be continued
0: in the Cage Chat. We'll figure something out. Because you know what? I do kind of like this idea of like we bring one of our least favorites or most hated actor or director or something and get together and talk shit about them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. I want to thank my cage crew for joining me this afternoon to talk about these two very different but still both equally cagey films. Thank you Laura, Eric, and Adam for, you know, accepting the invite and being here Anytime. today. I appreciate
1: that. Uh, oh. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course.
0: And I want to thank all my lovely bubblies for listening today, as per usual, and keep streaming. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. -bye.
0: If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as MyStreamingBubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming. testicles!